Gangsta teen music, we're throwing fists in the air because we don't uh, effing care because this is the following podcast contains spoilers for Saint Elmo's Fire. You have been warned. warned. I don't know. It went into like a commercial there at the end. It did, yeah. I don't know how. Whatever. Anyway. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of KFR News Radio. This is your host, Glenjamin Button, along with your host, Miguel Me Sexagusto. Oh, hello. How did they say hello in the 80s? Hi. Yo. Gnarly. Oh, I think uh, I think uh, Emilio... Estevez actually said, "What's up, dude?" At one point, so What's I up, think dude? I think that's the I think that's the go-to. So not much has changed since. Uh, mm-hmm. What's up, dude? <laughs> since the eighties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How you doing, Glenn? <laughs> living, living the dream here out with this. Uh, I don't know how to feel. You know, I I feel like I should rebel, like at all costs, and be my own person, who I don't know who that is yet, and that's only because I just watched Saint Animal's Fire. But <laughs> uh, my my. How are you? <laughs> I am okay. You know, the world is burning. I got a film mm-hmm. shoot coming up filled with anxiety about many things. Mm-hmm. But I am okay otherwise. I, I like to hear that. Yeah. Besides the whole world burning and anxiety-driven parts. Oh, you know. Did you watch any movies? I did watch some movies. And you're, we're starting with me this week, which mm-hmm. is weird. Uh, so I watched one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Total of nine uh, you, many I think were still rewatches. Me, actually, that's still nuts. Many were rewatches. The first one was a rewatch of The Road to El Dorado, <laughs> because I realized that I have not seen it since, or had not seen it since we went on a little field trip to see it when I was in, I believe, fifth grade. Yeah, that definitely needed to change. Yeah, so we we went to the theater to see it, and I remembered liking it, and I remembered parts from it. Uh, that one character is thick with seven Doubles, C's. Double C's, yes, um, yes. <laughs> and you know, you, those animators knew exactly what they were doing. <laughs> they always uh, do. Yeah, just look but at yeah, Pixar. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, it's not quite as high up on my list as it is with you. I know you like oh, love. I, yeah, I love, love the it. Movie. It's a great movie, um, but it just doesn't mm-hmm. wow me. Understandable. Uh, other than those thick hips. Mm-hmm. Uh, then oh, we, while, we're talking about the Chieftain, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, Chieftain. sick. Played by Edward James almost. Um, yep. Then I, uh, while the world was burning, I watched a movie called The Little Hours, which mm. I fully anticipated it to be bad, and it was pretty bad. Um, okay. <laughs> it's, it's good that you went in that way, though. Yeah. It's uh, a movie with uh, Alison Brie, uh, Aubrey Plaza being annoying as usual, uh, mm-hmm. David Franco, uh, Kate Micucci, uh, Fred Armisen, John C. Riley, Molly Shannon, a whole bunch of people. The whole and gang. It's one of those movies by those filmmakers who like makes everything improvised. Mm-hmm. But in this, it's it just feels. I don't know. It doesn't work in yeah. my opinion. It's they they had fun. I'm glad yeah. that they had fun, but it doesn't work for me. Uh, also understandable. Yeah. Then, to cheer myself up on Wednesday, after mm-hmm. the world was burning, I mm-hmm. watched the very uh, happy-go-lucky movie, No Country for Old Men. Oh, that um, is the brightest of movies, yeah. honestly. and it yeah. cheered me right the yeah. fuck up. It's like it's um, like Easter in a basket, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if the yes. basket was a movie filled with carnage. Yes. But uh, as we know, that movie's fantastic. It is worthy of all praise that it gets. Truly, truly uh, is. And then, the, I, then I watched uh, 30 Minutes or Less with Jesse Eisenberg and oh my god Aziz I'm sorry thank you oh. thank you and Danny McBride oh my god that was way too long yeah um, <laughs> and have had I seen this before I knew the story that it was based on mm-hmm. I probably would have had fun with it uh, but knowing the story that it's based on and the guy who had the bomb strapped to his chest while making an, uh, like he was forced to do a robbery and everything yeah. knowing that he died it just kind of felt cheap and not great and mm-hmm. you know a little little poor taste yeah um so yeah i if yeah it's that's definitely a movie that i remember seeing in a little bit in theater doing theater walks um mm-hmm. but never actually got around to actually watching it 
Yeah, and like they they advertise that it's based on a true story. Actually, did it come out before I worked at the movies? It came out 2011, so I think. All so. right, so way before. Yeah, I worked it, at the it, movies. Uh, but yeah, like it. Uh, you it know what advertised it was? What? It's it's the same concept except for it was me passing the living room. And my mom and stepdad <laughs> watching it. Same concept, different location. But yeah, it um, you know, it advertised as being based on a true story. So you think, oh, this guy lived and he went through this crazy thing. No, the dude died. Mm-hmm. He was betrayed by friends. Yes, they were his friends that strapped him to the. He, he was autistic. He was or had Asperger's. I don't know if he was fully autistic, mm-hmm. but a whole bunch of sad things in that story. So yeah, it did not age well. Um, but if, if it weren't based on a true story, it'd be an okay movie. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely see it. Going through this list just makes me wonder why I was torturing myself like this. Then to cheer myself up even more from the terribleness of the world, I watched the documentary on Jim Jones and the Jonestown mass suicide. Called yeah, you really Truth, went all out this week. <laughs> Truth and Lies, Jonestown. Uh, it was extremely fascinating, and I, I uh, you know, was very compelled by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely not a cheery movie. Uh, then Caitlin, uh, we were thinking about what to watch, and uh, Caitlin was like, "Hey, we haven't watched Mulan yet." And I was like, "Yeah, you Ooh. haven't watched Mulan yet," because <laughs> we were supposed to watch it together. But like, I got the impression that she didn't want to watch it anymore, so I just watched it by myself. And you put that in shambles um, immediately. <laughs> yeah. So then she, yep she she made me watch it again. You know, as is my mm-hmm. punishment. And yep. it's still very mediocre and not worthy of any note whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. And then I watched St. Elmo's Fire. We'll get to that in a minute. Then I watched The Brothers Bloom, uh, directed by Ryan Johnson uh, and written by him. It's got that normal Ryan Johnson wit uh, filled with, you know, good, not genre switching, but going from comedy to drama. Um yeah. Definitely his weakest movie, in my opinion, but still pretty mm-hmm. solid. Uh, it's got Rachel Even Wise in over it. The Last so, Jedi? Uh, Quality-wise, yeah. Uh, maybe not story-wise, <laughs> but definitely quality-wise. Yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, it is it is what it is. It's Ryan Johnson in between Brick and Looper, so it was kind of like a mixture of not the sci-fi aspect of Looper, but as far as quality. Uh, between Brick and Looper. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I watched a Korean film called Nowhere to Hide from 1999. It's based, uh, you know, it's a, that same uh, category that they have on Criterion Channel, new Korean cinema. Um, mm-hmm. And this is just like a uh, cop and drama, uh, cop, cop, buddy cop movie, but like not a funny one, like a dramatic buddy cop movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's very stylistic, uh, very ambitious in its style, and it's un, uh, you know clear to see why it's considered a classic, at least in style alone. Story itself mm-hmm. is typical for detective movies, but I enjoyed it. It's pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's all I watched this week. What did you watch this week? Wow. Well, I actually kind of went off in the beginning of the week, like literally right after we did the podcast yeah, last so. week. I kind of just I was like, you know what. I feel like I kind of got to catch up now. Like, not 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 that you didn't have a worldwide achievement of 366 movies last year or anything. But 68. I was like, maybe I should... <coughs> um, anyway, so I started <laughs> off uh, with... I feel like I didn't start off with this. Was there? I feel like there's a movie before this, but whatever. We're going to start off with The Fog, which was, uh, which was uh, John Car- Carpenter's original The Fog in 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a bunch of people that he like uses all the time for his movies, uh, including uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, and uh, see, I grew up originally watching the one with uh, the Smallville actors, like Tom- Thomas Wells or whatever. Um, and I, going back to this, it's hard to like really see both of them as good movies. I know a lot of people love this movie. The Fog. But I thought it was just, yeah, I, th- I just thought it was extremely okay, um, in my opinion, again yeah. there. And uh, I actually think I like the the one with uh, Thomas Wells more, if that, if that is his name. But uh, <clears throat> I don't want to get... I don't want to get punched in a crowd for that, so I'm just going to leave that where it is. <laughs> anyway, moving on, I also watched Hearts Beat Loud, which is a Ooh. movie with Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens, mm-hmm. which was a nice little uh, f- 
I wouldn't say feel really feel good family movie. It was it was pretty cute in the way uh, dad's trying to start a band with his daughter to try to connect a little yeah. bit. He was an aspiring artist, and she was just like, "Dad, I want to go to college." And, he, and then they actually came yeah. out with a hit single. And it was I uh, actually it like was pretty, it was a pretty nice film. I actually like that. That's the reverse of the typical uh, film trope where it's like. Yeah. This overbearing parent and wants them to become a doctor and they just want to be a musician or something else. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is the opposite where she just wants to become a doctor and her dad's just like, no, you got to rock and roll, man. Yeah, uh, this is a once in a lifetime chance. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it was a nice uh, change of pace. Uh, also, Ted Danson's in it. Um, mm-hmm. And Tony Playing Collette. a bartender. Yeah, and Tony Collette. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I actually... Uh, Saw that in theaters a few when it came out a few years back. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a definitely good movie. Um, mm -hmm. And off of that movie, again, these are all movies I watched on the same day. Uh, after that, I watched Booksmart, which I know had been getting a lot of praise on like how well done it is and Olivia Wilde's I think directorial debut. Um, mm -hmm. I can't remember for sure if that's true or not, but I, uh, I watched it. And I was kind of blown away with how funny it was. You know, it's not like I was expecting it to, like, be bad, but I was also uh, felt like I was going to get overwhelmed by other people saying how good it was, and then it actually didn't live up to that. Uh, but it actually was really good. It's, uh, it was like, um, what, what, is the, what is the one movie that everybody can compare this to? Uh, Lady Bird? No, I would, I was the other, the, the... It gave me Lady Bird vibes. God, I'm gonna lose my mind. Um, it's got a uh, Jesus, Glenn. I can't think of any names. Jonah Hill, Michael Sarah. Oh, uh, Superbad. Super. It's like it's, it's for me. It was like the girl version of Superbad, starring Jonah better? Hill's sister. Is it really? Uh, Beanie Feldstein is Jonah Hill's sister. I did not know that. That's actually kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, and yeah. now I can see the resemblance. Now that I'm seeing it, that's insane. <laughs> but yeah, I was actually very uh, much impressed with this movie. I didn't know that that was Jonah Hill's sister, and it definitely fits uh, because like they've they've both got their own like going to college like the high school thing uh, movie going for them. Like <laughs> this is their last party before they go to college or anything, and that's that's kind of funny to think about that they both have that. But uh, anyway, it was actually way better than I thought. And and then after that, I looked up like uh, what Olivia Wilde has been doing since, and then uh, just a bunch of drama about Harry Styles and Jason Sudeikis knowing about a relationship that it, her and Olivia. I was like, well, okay, we're moving on. Uh, yep. And then I watched Clint Eastwood's direct or not directorial debut, but his uh, debut in the Western film genre, uh, Hang 'Em High. I was, I was just in the mood for a Western for some reason, so I just was like, I just put it on. Um, it, it wasn't bad. Like, uh, it was definitely, it definitely shows its age for sure on mm -hmm. a lot of the things. Um, especially, like, uh, like the, I don't want to put this so bluntly, but uh, how uh, Clint just kind of, not Clint, his character, which is uh, G. Ed Cooper, kind of just like, this girl's a widow, and uh, she's like, oh, well, I'm just a widow, and we're, we're having a picnic together. And he kind of just, he's like, well, you wouldn't invite me to a picnic unless we're about to make out, and then just start smooching her. I was like, oh. Maybe she just wanted a, to have a picnic, a Clint. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what she says, which was really cool. She's like, I just wanted to have a picnic. And he's like, well, and then he proceeds to kiss her again, and then it goes into the, the trope of, like, girl falls for the guy and it's, it's kind of weird but um but i mean why, that, why it's a pretty were, good movie why were people so horny back in the day like <laughs> no is idea <laughs> is it because there was a stigma against like pornography and everything so they were just like probably i gotta i gotta we rape gotta, this girl gotta get our rocks off to me kissing this lady <laughs> yeah it's it's so weird to me um, <sighs> anyway. but overall it was, it was a pretty decent film. Uh, I think I gave it a three out of the five on uh, Letterboxd, but, uh, moving on to the last film that I watched before St. Elmo's Fire, which was Salina, um, which I had remembered, this was more of a rewatch if I'm being honest. Um, I you had watched seen the my Jennifer Lawrence watch, version, right? 
Uh, or not Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence, Jennifer Lopez, Lo- for sure. Lopez, sorry. There's um, a, yes, there's a new one, or it's, I think it's a miniseries. There's a new one, and I wasn't sure if you watched that one. Or mm. No, I had I had watched the one from uh, 97 with Jennifer mm-hmm. Lopez, um, which I remember my mom watching a few times when I was younger, um, roughly, obviously, when I was four years old when this movie came out. Um, and I remember it, it being pretty good from what I had remembered at the age of solid four. Um, yeah. But... Uh, I've I've had this thing going on with my life lately where anything that I find out is based on real events, which, I mean, I knew it, this one was. Um, I have to look up and I have to go in full research mode and put on my detective glasses, which is literally just a monocle and a <laughs> magnifying glass. Um, sure. And then I just go, I dive deep into the, like the, what happened, like the cases or the history of things. And uh, this was one of them, and it's kind of it's kind of nutty. Uh, Selena is a huge um, icon when it comes to uh, Hispanic music and stuff like that. And she was one of the mm-hmm. best, and she's the queen. And Jennifer, Lo- or she's now you got me doing it. Jennifer Lopez, uh, I feel like portrayed that really really well. Yeah. And this movie was great in my opinion. Um, but other than that, that is the last thing I saw before Saint Elmo's Fire, yeah. Miguel. Yeah, I haven't seen Selena uh, since probably since I was like 11 or something. Uh, I didn't see mm-hmm. it for probably until I was like 12, maybe. Um, but yeah, I just remember it being like J- uh, Jennifer Lopez's best role, mm-hmm. not Lawrence <laughs> Lopez. Uh, yeah, it's definitely yeah, that, for sure her best role that I've seen definitely. so far. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, if that's all you watch, you got any news or should we just jump right in? Uh, it's it's gonna be a quick one for me. Um, Deadpool three's got a rated R uh, confirmation, good. so they are good I was to worried, go on that. Because they started making the first one before uh, Disney bought out Fox, or the second mm-hmm. one. Sorry, not the first one. So I was worried that this yeah. third one might be toned down, and I'm glad that Disney realizes that there is money in R rated movies from time to time. Um, yeah, how hard that R rating is going to go, I can only imagine and what they'll allow. But I know because of this, they are definitely going to try to shoot for more R-rated movies besides Deadpool. Um, I know yeah. Blade's coming, uh, like it's in its fruitions so yeah. far. So hopefully I'm that like, yeah, also. You, you, you don't have to do it under the Disney flag, obviously. Obviously they oh, changed yeah. 20th Century Fox to just 20th Century pictures or whatever it is um so i that that was my biggest Mm -hmm. i mean i still hate the fact that disney's buying all of these studios but my biggest concern is they historically have avoided r-rated films like the plague which you know 20 years ago i understand r-rated pictures didn't make that much money now they make a lot of money you know people our age who are now old enough to see r-rated now people want to see this stuff yeah, we're more likely to cough up the the money to go to theaters than older crowds were, um, which I, I love that fact that the fact that uh, you know yeah older people still go to movies but not nearly as much as people our age do uh, statistically. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I am stoked on that, and also we're not as yeah. prude as as older generations. <laughs> oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, uh, but if that's all you got, we should jump into Saint Elmo's Fire, which doesn't mm-hmm. really have much to do with the movie, other than it's the name <laughs> of a bar and there is no fire. Yeah, literally, uh, n- literally nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I can't remember who met who first, or who fell in love with who first. All I can remember is the seven of us always together. <laughs> It's not just infatuation, Kevin. She's not just a girl. She's the only evidence of God that I can find on this entire planet. Where did you meet Wendy again? Prison. <laughs> Hi, Felicia. How you doing? Me? Oh, you know, it ain't easy being me. You know all those nights we stayed up talking? How come you never made a pass at me? All right. St. Elmo's Fire. A group of friends just out of college struggle with adulthood. 
Directed by Joel Schumacher, written by Joel Schumacher, and Carl Kurlander. Stars Demi Moore, Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, Emilio Estevez, uh, Judd Nelson. There's, there's a lot of a lot of people in this movie. Ali Sheedy, Mayor Wainingham, and Sheedy. then everyone else mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. Except for maybe Andy McDowell. Yeah, there's definitely a solid six or seven people that actually, like, uh, were the huge yeah. people in this movie. Yeah. Um, and Blake um, Clark, I just... he, was, he was the bar hand. Uh, he's yeah. in a lot of Adam Sandler movies. I pointed him out super easy. I was like, that's him! Yeah. He was also the uh, yeah. the dad, um, Sean's dad in Boy Meets World. Ah. Uh, that's what, I, like, that was like the first thing that I knew him from. So that every time I, I see him, I'm like, oh, Boy Meets World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but can I just tell you my favorite part of this movie? And I'm not saying favorite like it's good or anything. Yeah, go ahead. Th- this movie... They go through so many changes, it literally feels like it's been years since they graduated college. I know. And then she's just like, I thought I'd have it together when I was 22. I'm like, you guys are barely out of college and you're already behaving like this? Yep. Like, what the fuck is up? <laughs> mm-hmm. I, literally I just falling to, into shambles after college. I had to, I just died laughing when she said, uh, I'm 22 and I don't have my life together. I'm like, oh, oh, honey, please. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> honey, please. Um, Me, please. But yeah, I had uh, originally picked this movie because I, I heard it referenced a lot within a, like a few songs. I can't tell you those songs off the top of my head, obviously, because why Enough would to I? have it on your radar. Yeah, and then between that and just knowing that it was also on the radar of all these uh, brat pack is what the, the term is called, uh, teen drama movies that came out in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I knew it was there. I knew it was like in the background, but I had never seen it. I wanted. I never really heard much of it, and I wanted to know about it. Um, little did I know that I reverse psychologyed myself into not wanting to figure it out afterwards. Um, <laughs> take it back, Glenn. Take it back, please. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> like, this, um, <laughs> this movie. I won't go so, so far as to say it's terrible, but it did not age well at all you and i had a a quick uh text message conversation when you were watching this afternoon where like the first five minutes are so problematic and filled with so many things that are just like taboo today and not even just like sexual things which comes later down the road but uh, like yeah the, the one guy is drunk driving crashes Really hurts the girl that was in the car. Well, it's not really hurts, but she she yeah, just probably definitely got a concussion. And it's like it's played off as just like kind of like a joke. Like, oh, he got drunk driving accident. Oh, I'm gonna pay off these cops. Oh, you mm-hmm. you believe in premarital sex? Which like yeah, what do you it, mean, it, do you it throws <laughs> throws a whole lot at you right in late right in the yeah. literal first five minutes. There's. There's, like Mike said, there's the drunk driving accident that you find out about. Uh, they're all, like, shrugging it off their shoulders like it was nothing. And then uh, the, the, the guy, uh, Rob Lowe's character, um, just he's in the ambulance still instead of in the actual hospital. He's like, hey, honey, do you believe in premarital sex? And they both laugh it off casually. Like yeah, it's not like it's not um, sexual harassment. <laughs> and you got Emilio Estevez trying to have uh rob lowe's character not be arrested and then like so you're getting a lot of character development right off the bat here and, and then, not character like, development after... to make you like the characters it makes you oh, hate no, no, the yeah, characters yeah. like right away oh, like I, I just wanted nothing to do with them after after uh watching <laughs> that scene. right after the gang leaves there's the there's a doctor that you, you you find out has a connection or air quotes connection with Emilio Estevez's character, and then she brings head. this small child. Yeah, and then this she brings a small child into the ER room, which you assume is the kid's mother. Which I don't think that's healthy, nor should the kids see anything that's probably going on in there. But mm-hmm. a lot was handed to you right off the bat, and I texted yeah. Mike like. Yeah, so this isn't going great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I texted you when I watched it and just said, yeah. this movie did not age well at all. Uh, you know, it's it's from 85, and pretty much everything in it is just, like, the worst possible way to handle the situations that are in this. Um, mm-hmm. It's the, the, 
the thing that bothered me the most is that every single male character was a piece of shit and it tried to be played off as like and their boys. mind was based around sex entirely yeah, pretty it, much. it was played off like boys will be boys and let mm-hmm. me just break this down for you so rob Lowe is the drunk driver he's also uh like a um a a uh, a, f- a father who does not pay any attention to his kid he tries to uh rape De- uh, demi moore's character or at least force her to have sex which is rape but mm-hmm. like it doesn't happen so i don't i, I don't know i'm a stupid and don't know what if there's another term for that but he tries to rape her um uh then judd nelson cheats on ali sheedy because not not because she won't have sex with him because she won't have sex with him without a condom until they're married and she's also not ready for marriage yep and those three while being terrible or not nearly as bad as Emilio Emilio Estevez taking ownership of Andy McDowell's character, who is the doctor who he's infatuated with, who they're not dating at all. He he acts like he owns her. They only went on a date. They only went on a date. Uh, He is infatuated with her. He he won't leave her alone. He won't stop harassing her. Uh, He invites her to a party that she does not go to. He goes to her apartment, finds out that she's in the mountains with her boyfriend, goes to said mountains and to yell at her and everything and acts like this is all her fault. And then she returns. She she treats it just like, oh, it's a romantic gesture. Nothing about what Mm -hmm. he did was a romantic gesture. It wasn't cute. It wasn't like, oh, he just loves her. It was abusive. It was harassment. It was stalking. That's what it was. You could literally rewrite this movie to literally just be a horror movie. You could. And with Emilio Estevez being a straight psychotic stalker. Yeah. And it, then, and then, it is scary. Yeah. And then uh, Andrew McCarthy, who is th- the least shitty of all the men, is still a very manipulative guy where, like, they, they go to his room and uh, him and Ali Sheedy go to his room and she asks him about all these things. And he's just like, oh, I, you know, I have it just in case girls think it makes me cool. Uh, I have that mm-hmm. because it makes girls think I'm cool. And then he has, like, a whole... Uh, tin box full of pictures of Ali Sheedy and she's flattered by it by some reason and not just mm-hmm. kind of creeped out. It's yeah, just, it just didn't, didn't creep her out in the slightest. Yeah, it is very obvious that men wrote this. Uh, I'm a little disappointed in Sh- uh, Joel Schumacher. Uh, I can't say I'm surprised because I don't know his work well enough, but uh, Carl Kurlander, I have no idea who that is. It's an extremely problematic movie and not just like a a feminist way it's just like a humanist way it's very like even in the 80s mm. these should have been red flags to people like i i don't understand yeah why people like this movie at all um yeah no it's 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 rough um literally you take any character from this movie you're more than likely going to hate them especially yeah. if you watch it today I mean, if back then, I'm sure it might have been a little different story. Um, I think... Because uh, I think that back then it was, oh, yeah, boys will be boys mentality. Yeah. So, like, all this stuff does make sense. But, yeah, everyone was a piece of shit in this movie, except for Wend. Wend or Wens, when- whatever they... Wendy. Uh, Wendy, yeah. was, Wendy was the best character out of all of them. Most yeah. well-rounded. She was kind of she was independent, but her only flaw was she kept going back to Rob Lowe's character, which yeah. understandable in a way. Um, but also, come on, girl, get your life together. You can do it. Get your life together. And all the parents, uh, all the parents in this movie, all they cared about, no matter which which finger you pointed at, all cared about marriage, and that was really it. And having babies. That's yeah. literally it. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, nothing else to talk about. <laughs> I think the second least problematic character is Ali Sheedy's character, uh, mm-hmm. Leslie, who is the one who gets cheated on, but she's yeah. still extremely flawed. Um, they're very like, they're all very snobbish. Like they they all went to Georgetown. They're all they all come from rich families, except for maybe Rob Lowe's character. He, he this kind of hinted that he has like a a, a a somewhat impoverished upbringing, um, mm-hmm. but not really like dived into too much. Um, and, and they're all like working for senators and shit and it's just no one in this movie is likable. Like even well, a little they, bit. It's just You also don't you would expect a movie like this to 
at a certain point, you can get a connection, maybe, with some mm-hmm. of these. And you would hope by the end of the movie that all of them would maybe have a redemption with each other. No. Uh, not, not at really. All. Not genuinely at all. Uh, really, the only redemption is they... Well, not even redemption. The only true quality that they have is that they do grow up from going to a bar to a maybe a supper or like not supper a but like a, a brunch a brunch brunch which they <laughs> so said like to that, have at, at 1 p.m or something which is yeah my knowledge is not brunch but i could be wrong yeah that's <laughs> i mean like 11 is a brunch yeah um but they they all you can get that one aspect you're like yeah at 22 i started going to brunches instead of bars that <laughs> makes sense yep. um but really, nobody actually had an arc, really. No, Not at nobody all. came, nobody really had an arc. Nobody really had some sort of manner that you were like, all right, definitely that person I'm happier about. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy that they, it was just kind of a bullshit movie, the to be cl- honest. The closest thing you have to an arc is Rob Lowe's character realizing he doesn't want to work in politics and he wants to become a musician. Mm-hmm. That's the closest thing you have to an arc, and that is not an yeah, arc and because then, he doesn't. And then the closest runner-up would be uh, uh, Ali Sheedy's character, which she's kind of stepping away from a toxic relationship, and also yeah. this guy who's toxically in love with her, um, well, closetedly until the end of the movie, and then he's overbearingly in love with her, and mm-hmm. then so like she gets to kind of step out of that friends group. And I was hoping by the end they would all kind of just separate ways and like depart from each other. And like you, you have the hints that, oh, these guys probably aren't going to be friends. Like in my mind, yeah. for sure. Like I know none of these guys are going to be friends after this because um, I live that. But they, it all kind of s- symbolizes that they're all going to still be hanging out. And it's like, uh, I hope they don't <laughs> Yeah, for their sanity the, and my own. They're <laughs> really all terrible they people and make each other worse. And my biggest complaint about this movie was the um, the way they depicted people trying to get on welfare. Mm-hmm. Like, all the other things I get was just made in a time of, a, like, toxic Hollywood uh, in a yeah. decade where the boys will be boys mentality was thriving. But they made this mother of, like, five or six children trying to get on welfare look like she was trying to like trick the system or something by not yeah, wanting to like, give me my check give yeah. me my check give me and my check like it, it's just it, it it had a whoever wrote that part has a very terrible idea of what welfare is like <laughs> yeah <laughs> right obviously off. there are people like that but there are few and far between to, so to depict a welfare job as dealing with people like that constantly is a terrible thing <laughs> Yeah, and then the the welfare uh, lady with the kids uh, was right off the bat just like, honey, you need to get yourself a man so you don't have to do what I'm about to do or just some shit like that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but she was like, yeah, you need to get your panties out of a bunch and get a man who could pay for your life. And it was just yeah. like, what? What? <laughs> it was huh? just, it's a terrible movie with terrible people. Honestly, the... the <laughs> The uh, best part of this movie was a kind of – I texted you about this. Uh, there is At one point, they think that uh, Kevin, who is played by Andrew McCarthy, is gay because he doesn't want to have sex with anyone but Ali Sheedy, but he doesn't tell people that he wants to have sex with Ali Sheedy. Uh, mm-hmm. So they everyone's just, oh, yeah, he's gay. And when when everyone's saying that he's gay or telling him that he's gay, he's wearing a red plaid shirt. With green camouflage pants. <laughs> yep. And the note I wrote was just like, no way Kevin is gay when he's wearing a red plaid shirt on camouflage pants. Dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Am I gay? <laughs> well, do you also wear a blazer with that? He Yeah, he wore a blazer with it too. Mm-hmm. Terrible style. No self-respecting gay man. No self-respecting man at all, really, mm, should true. be wearing that. But definitely not a gay man who... Has better yeah. fashion sense than us slabo straight cis people. Yeah, the most <laughs> the <laughs> most realistic thing to me in this movie was when um, it was Ali Sheedy's character and Demi Moore's character um, went to like lunch with Wendy, um, 
And then, like, they all were just kind of, like, eaten with, like, uh, kind of the homeless people, just the welfare people. And then, yeah. like, there's just an old lady just, like, staring and listening in on the whole conversation. That was the most realistic thing to me. <laughs> Literally, it yeah. was, like, a five-minute conversation. This this old lady's just grilling this conversation. She's in. She's sipping the tea. You know what I'm saying? She's mm-hmm. all up in it. And that was the most realistic thing to me because, yeah. <laughs> I do the same shit. I'm with the old lady. <laughs> um, but uh, at a certain point, I can see why people like this movie. I could definitely see why people liked it back then for sure um, because they were part of that Brat Pack movie extravaganza. Uh, it definitely did not age well. Um, and... It's definitely a good showmanship of how you shouldn't have this type of friend circle. If yeah. you have this type of friend circle, get away from them. Absolutely. Real bad. Absolutely. Also, I'm, I think, and I'm not sure, I didn't do research on this, I think Rob Lowe's character might have been uh, some uh, inspirational material for Stranger Things. Uh, Billy character because they were like the same almost at least looks wise they were like the same character um, oh yeah because they were both Billy's they both had one earring and mullets and they were both handsome motherfuckers <laughs> yeah and both pieces of shit mm, absolutely <laughs> yeah although if I remember correctly correct me if I'm wrong does Billy and Stranger mm-hmm. Things have kind of an arc in season three? Oh, Billy has an amazing arc because I, I know it, it's always the, the pieces of shit that in Stranger Things that have the best arc. Like, um, mm-hmm. what's his name? Steve? S- Steve. Yeah. Steve, he, he's the best character in the entire thing. Uh, I remember yeah. hating Billy until, without getting into spoilers, something happens, and I remember him having a, a kind of redemption. And, yeah, I really uh, liked Billy's arc. Yeah. Like, and really. Th- they, they never have the... the Decent characters have good arcs. Maybe it's because they don't mm-hmm. have anywhere else to go. Well, it's because they're already decent, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I love Billy's arc. I love Steve's arc. Um, and Steve, um, the thing, the difference was, is Steve's arc keeps getting better and better. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he's the best character in that show. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Um, but, but yeah, uh, I actually, before, uh, in the middle of me watching this movie, my mom called me up. She's like, hey, what are you doing? Also, what are we doing for your birthday? I'm like, first off, I'm watching Same Elmo's Fire. And she's like, that is a great movie. I'm like, well. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. She's like, why you say that? I'm like, it definitely is showing its age. It's not. Uh... She's like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> hey, <laughs> like, if okay, people at least, can admit it. At least you acknowledge it. Yeah. I have no problem with like people still liking the movie or, you know, reminiscing, having nostalgia for it. But it is mm-hmm. did not age well. Yeah, she because she immediately went like, "Come on, it's the Brat Pack, man." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, I didn't grow up with it, Mom. I I understand, but at least yeah. you acknowledge that it's it's got a it's got its flaws, you know. All Brat Pack movies are are slightly problematic. Mm-hmm. Even even the Breakfast Club, yeah, has that one scene with uh, Judd Nelson just sticking his face in Molly Ringwald's crotch. Mm. People. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know how much more I really have to say about this movie. We're just gonna end it with me saying sticking his face in Molly Ringwald's crotch, and then yeah, I'll, I'll say this: I when Rob Lowe's character uh, was was talking with Demi Moore at the end of the movie. Um, uh, I mean, it's I guess I could say spoilers. Uh, she's kind of freaking the fuck out. It's pretty much about what Mike said earlier with the uh, in the dumbest way possible. Crisis. Yeah. She's she's uh, trying to freeze herself to death by having all the windows open and the doors locked. <laughs> yeah. Um, at, at one point in the conversation between the two characters, which are probably both the worst, eh, relatively worst characters, um, not comparing to Emilio Estevez, who is a literal psycho, um, <laughs> he at one point talks about St. Elmo's fire and how it's like a burning light in darkness or some shit like that. Um, and as soon as he said that, I did the cinema thing, cinema sins, sin, fuck, cinema sins thing, where I go roll credits, because I was like, <laughs> I please be done, please. <laughs> I really wished, I had really wished that I was a writer back then, 
and this movie had ended with the bar burning down and them all separating ways or some shit like that. Oh yeah. And just being like, oh well this is this is this was our this was our point in life. This is where we all came together and had good times. What do we do now? And then all realizing what kind of life they've actually had or some shit and then like yeah. splitting apart from it. That's how I wished it went down. Yeah. But instead they Instead we got a very stupid movie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like as soon as I saw the bar was named St. Elmo's Fire, I really wish the bar St. Elmo's burned down. It would have like, been was, better. That was that would have been it. Like that would have yeah. been so simple. Especially anyway, if one of them died in the fire. <gasps> we should rewrite St. Elmo's Fire. <laughs> <laughs> we should rewrite it as a a uh, a feminist it's thriller a, a where all flick. these women get revenge on these terrible men. Yeah, that works for me. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Alright, high fives, let's go. High five. I'm gonna get you a red lacy baby doll like. Alec, I'm very happy in your old pajamas. Oh, I'm happy when you're out of my old pajamas. Alec is becoming a Republican and he wants to get married. Oh my god. Do you ever feel like you're not accomplishing anything at all? <laughs> I think I'm in touch with that emotion. You're not gonna believe how out of hand it's gonna be. Anyway, that is our review. Uh, I guess that brings us to the judgment. So, mm. Glenjamin Button, this was your pick. So you go first. Is this a little shelf boy with his pants hiked high? No. No. It doesn't even deserve like a buildup. I, I agree. Like I said, uh, I could see the hype about this uh, 30 years ago. Uh, yeah. Not now. Very, Not even 30 years yet, but it's, still. It, it's very nostalgic for people who grew up in that time, which I can yeah. definitely it's see. It's got the but, cast, but uh, the personality of yeah. the characters and the characters themselves and just the, the plot, and it's just all not good. The thing and is, the script, I've always rooted for Emilio Estevez until I saw this movie, and I was just like, he needs to get hit by a truck or drive he off a cliff. He literally... I was now. honestly hoping during the after the kiss scene with him and him and the Dale character that he would. <laughs> I was really hoping he had the kiss. He won that. He did it for himself, and then he couldn't get out of the driveway. I was really, <laughs> I was really hoping for it because there was there was just snow everywhere. Uh, He's in like fucking Canada or some shit at this point. But He's I was in the really mountains. hoping he'd get yeah. I was really Wait, hoping he'd get he? stuck in the snow. Nowhere in around DC has mountains like that. Maybe Virginia, nope. but they still don't have mountains like that. Those were like obviously California mountains. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Or Pennsylvanian, who knows? Yeah. So that uh that movie, St. Elmo's Fire, which I nearly forgot the name of, does not make it onto the list with the likes of Apostle and Handmaiden. That brings us to our plugs for this week. Lunge by what is your plug? My plug's hilarious. Oh. I won't be shy about it. <laughs> I stumbled upon it. I watched the whole thing. It's it's <laughs> Do we know the good boy Tommy Wiseau? Yeah, I wouldn't call him a good boy, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, somebody kind of made their own, like, fan flick, uh, basically starring Tommy um, in all of his parts, basically from the room. But they plugged it into Star Wars and made it their own story. So it revolves around Tommy and his character in the room. Um, But basically... Star Wars revolves around him instead of plugging him into certain sections into the movie. So they made their own story of Star Wars from all the other, like, all the content of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But put him in scenes where it made sense and made its own story. So this is actually hilarious because of how weirdly it goes and how actually kind of funny it is. Yeah. This is going to be called The Saga, Star Wars with Tommy Wiseau, The Full Story, and that is going to be on YouTube, on Pistol Shrimps, YouTube specifically. Because I love you very much. No. <laughs> no, it's because I'm so in love with you. 
You know what they say, love is blind. <laughs> well, that's not exactly what I mean. <laughs> I'm tired, I'm wasted, I love you, darling. So there well, you go. That sounds fun. It uh, sounds nice. So my plug, I may have plugged this before, uh, but honestly, mm -hmm. I was struggling to find something and I wanted to plug this. Uh, I am tired of uh, not being able to travel when I want to. And True. I think people should watch the TV series Travel Man with Richard Iotti. Uh, I don't think or Aota, this, actually. However you pronounce his name. Um, and uh, it's a British show where he essentially goes on weekend trips with a bunch of celebrities, mostly comedians, so it's pretty funny, uh, to different locations for a weekend. And he is an introverted agoraphobe by his definition, so he hates traveling. So mm -hmm. his, his whole persona throughout, uh, I'm sure he doesn't actually hate it, but that's the persona he has in this. Uh, so yeah. his whole persona throughout is to travel as efficiently and quickly as possible to get the hell out of there and go home. Uh, so it's really funny. You can check out a bunch of clips of that, uh, as, including full episodes on uh, YouTube, or you could find episodes for the first five seasons, I believe, on Pluto, which is a free platform. Uh, mm -hmm. So that is The Travel Man with Richard Ayoade, or Ayoade. To mini breakers to suck the cup of a mug. How and shears can assist a guest on points without getting peed. But do not let salt tears soak your bosom for I, the captain of Chaff, Richard Ayuadi, am here to get your tiny trips crisp. Belted to a bushel of exhausted entertainers, I'm going to globally gob off. We're here. We're here. We're here. But should we have come? See. Si. Thank you for that. Gracias. It's nice to bring in the language. Mucho bueno. Ciao. Okay, diminishing returns. <laughs> Those are our plugs for this week. That brings us to our assignment for next week. It is Netflix Roulette. Ooh. Uh, so as some of you know, but for those of you who don't, the way this works is we spin the roulette streaming wheel three roulette. times. Oh, yeah, streaming roulette. I'm so sorry. They changed that on us recently. Anyway, <laughs> um, so streaming roulette, the way it works is we spin the wheel three times and uh, we pick the movie that is most interesting to us out of those three movies, unless the film gods tell us to spin a fourth time. Uh, mm, look at you, <laughs> Fox Bat. <laughs> so without any further ado, here comes the first spin. The Jones Family Will Make a Way. What a long title. Yeah. From 2015, so it is within our... Uh, parameters. Year, yeah, parameters. Uh, it tells the story for 30 years. Bishop Fred Jones and his family have performed on Southern Gospel Circuit, largely unseen by those outside the Pentecostal faith. Pentecostal faith. Uh, I'm not going to go any more into that. It is a documentary directed by Alan Berg and written by Alan Berg and Lauren Sanders, uh, and that is available on Amazon Prime. Uh, that is our first choice. Spin number two. <laughs> Escape from L.A. Oh, oh, oh. oh wow. Yeah. Uh, as we all know, that is starring Kurt Russell. Uh, and who I am a huge fan of. It is written and directed by John Carpenter, uh, starring Kurt Russell, Steve Buscemi, Peter Fonda, Cliff Robertson, etc., etc. Uh, Snake Plissken is once again called in by the United States government to recover a potential doomsday device from Los Angeles, now an autonomous island where where undesirables are deported. Uh, I, all I know is that this includes him surfing on a tidal wave. Um, mm -hmm. I have seen Escape from New York. This is the sequel to that. Probably this don't need to sequel. know much about Escape from New York to watch Escape from L.A. It, they're uh, kind of the same movie in a way. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, so that is our second spin. Spinning for the third and final time. Doctor. D-U-K-H-T-A-R. From 2014. Looks to be uh, from India. Maybe Pakistan. Let me see. Uh, it's from Pakistan. Pakistan. Uh, in the mountains of Pakistan, a mother and her 10-year-old daughter flee their home on the eve of the girl's marriage to the tribal leader. A deadly hunt for them begins. It is written and directed by Afia Nathaniel, starring Samia Mumtaz, Mohib Mira, Mirza, Saleha Aref, and Asif Khan. Uh, and that is on somewhere. That is on Netflix. So those are our three movies, Escape from L.A., 
Doktar and the Jones family will make a way. Now listen. Okay. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm all about Kurt Russell. About yes, 95% of the time. I'm not against the Jones family will make a way. Because it, I see some good ratings here. I see some really good ratings. I haven't watched Escape from L.A. in a long time. Doctor, I'm sorry. It's not even on the shelf for me compared to the other two. <laughs> see, Doctor uh, looks interesting to me. The Jones family I'm will also, find a way. Let's see. What was this one about? In the mountains of, of Pakistan, uh, a essentially a, a, wife, a, a mother uh, helps her daughter escape from a uh, arranged marriage. Oh, okay. Which sounds pretty fucking dope to me. Um, hmm. after la- after the last time that we had we had to have the forbidden fourth spin uh, we yeah. got some pretty good choices here yeah honestly I'm leaving this one up to you Ooh. Um, if that is the case I'm going to write I have seen LA but I haven't seen it in quite a while yeah uh, and obviously after, that's why I haven't I'm going to write down Doctor, because that does seem interesting to me, but we're going to go with Escape from L.A. Because after I'm done this film shoot, I'm probably going to want to watch some mindless fun. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the theater. For everyone's enjoyment, we'd like to remind you of the following rules. No talking. No smoking. No littering. No red meat. No freedom of religion. And remember, all marriages must be approved by the Department of Health. Failure to obey these rules will result in immediate loss of citizenship and deportation to the island of Los Angeles. Enjoy the show. Your rules are really beginning to annoy me. We ran a psycho profile on a music database of five million sociopathic personalities. He hit the bottom of the curve. Catches on quick, doesn't she? Loves a winner. Just say we play a little Bangkok rules. Nobody draws until this hits the ground. You ready? Draw. You got a problem with that? So we will be watching Escape from LA. That is available on Amazon Prime for those of you who would like to watch it before listening to our podcast. Uh, and as always, you can check out our website, www.keystonefilmreview.com. Uh, on Instagram, we are keystone underscore film underscore review. Twitter, keystone underscore film. Uh, Facebook, keystone film review. YouTube, keystone film review. And we promise we'll eventually make more videos on there. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult at the moment. And on Letterboxd, I am Mike KFR. And I am Glenn KFR. And uh, that will do it until next week when we surf a tidal wave with one-eyed Kurt Russell. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.